For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa along with Carl Banks. And each and every week we take you through everything that is New York Giants. And Carl, obviously this was an improbable win. Not that they couldn't win the game. But the way they won the game, you know, being as, you know, disjointed at times as they were during the game. And then in the final, you know, nine minutes or seven minutes of the ball game, uh, sort of everything came together for this football team. Hard team to read, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, it's probably fitting that they kind of broke the, the broke the seal on this losing by winning in a similar fashion. You know, because each and every week it's unconventional. It's something that breaks down. It's, you know, a, a penalty here. It's it's a missed assignment there. And then as, you know, the, the football gods would have it, they actually did everything right in those circumstances and it benefited them. And I have to be honest, Bob, I thought that, should the Giants lose this game, it would be hard for them to mentally recover for the rest of the year. Because you'll have guys, and I won't say it's a majority, but you would have some players in those situations would be like, yo, screw it. This, this season's over with, right? Um, no matter how hard you play, you know, uh, human nature, human behavior, uh, doubt starts to seep in, especially when you have a young team. But because they were able to actually see the fruits of their labor, when the coach says, hey, if we just eliminate X, Y, and Z, we we can start winning football games. Because, you know, let's let's be honest, there's only four really, really, really good teams in the NFL, Right. The rest of the every one of these teams, including Tampa, they got their own crap. They got crap with them, you know. And yeah, I mean, you get to the level of the the um, the L.A. Rams, you better be clicking on all cylinders, right? Um, but they like, got smoked yesterday. Exactly. I mean, the Cardinals toyed with them yesterday. Exactly. So it's um it's one of those deals where they needed this in the worst way. Uh, the impressive part about this, and, you know, this is no disrespect to Daniel Jones or to Andrew Thomas or any of the other players that have been consistently playing well. They've been consistently, like the bright spots after every game, we talk Andrew Thomas, we talk Daniel Jones, right? But I thought the difference maker in this game by performance and by transfer of emotion was Saquon Barkley. 
Saquon Barkley, I and I, I tweeted it out after the game. People were just confused and saying, no, how come you can't show somebody else love? You can show love to whoever you want. But this guy, I said he put the team on his back. Um, what people didn't realize is that um, we found out in our post game yesterday that he actually spoke to the team very passionately at halftime. So, yeah, literally he put his, 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 his football where his mouth was. And he said, I'm going to go out here and, you know, give it everything I got. And his energy transferred throughout. And you just had the sense that if the Giants got the ball in overtime, they were going to win the game. And they closed it out. And he was, you know, we talk alphas, right? Um, our broadcast partner, Howard Krause, said, where's the Sandman? Enter the Sandman, right? He was that closer. They put the ball in his hands. He closed out the game. Um, that's that's all you need to say. I mean, he he did so many wonderful things in the game, which again, it takes away from no one else's effort. Like, you know, as much as I was all over the defense for the entire game, they got a very important three and out. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and let's face so, it, the Saints helped them. I mean, yeah. you get you get called for a you get called for a penalty in that spot. Yeah. You help the Giants. And listen, the Giants in their last two losses, they helped. Right. That's Atlanta, what I'm saying. So how fitting they would it be that Washington? Right. How fitting is it that they actually win by the same type of stuff that were that was their demise in in three games? So yeah, defense stepped up, played well, but Saquon Barkley put the team on his back and, and, and emotionally and physically, and they won their game because I, you, you saw vintage Saquon Barkley. You did not see uh, a guy who was missing holes. You didn't see him missing reads. He was a guy that was in tune 100%. And then, you know, him as a receiver, which probably has got a lot of defensive coordinators a bit afraid right now. Yeah, we talked about giant games earlier in the season where they didn't do enough offensively late in games to use clock and gave the other team a chance. Well, the Saints, with 317 to go in the game, they commit a false start. They throw an incomplete pass. Defense gets a stop, and they wound up using 10 seconds on the clock, which gave the Giants time. You make no apologies for that. You know, though, Carl, you brought something up that reminds me in this sport, really, you know, it, 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 speaks to an ultimate truism it is the ultimate team game there mm -hmm. is no michael jordan that you know you can jump on his back and he can literally will the team and, and because he's playing offense and defense right in this sport as much as saquon and the impact that he had because i think this was a coming of age game for him based on what he did at halftime sure. in the locker room yeah and then the way he played but it still takes a team because he fumbled he fumbled in overtime. Yeah. And sure enough, Kyle Rudolph, a veteran guy, he didn't try to pick it up. He didn't try to do anything crazy. He went as he'd been schooled his whole career, the way he got down, cradle the ball, protect the ball, not let it get stolen, which then leads us to a Galladay pass and the ball at the yeah. six yard line and Saquon finishing. But it yeah. really, this game, man, it's because all these things we're talking about with Saquon, if, 
Kyle Rudolph doesn't do his job properly there. Yeah. The Saints get the ball. They go down the field. They get a field goal. And then it's 0-4. Yeah. And, you know, the ball bounced their way. They created their own luck. But, you know, there were just so many different things that <clears throat> we saw in this giant victory, not only in how the players play, but how um, the coaches call the game, too. Um, the offensive coaching staff, coordinators you get a um another makeshift offensive line you know you get a guy who hadn't played guard he's got to start against uh, cam jordan and that crew um they don't give up a sack nor do they make a, a mental mistake in terms of uh, their undisciplined uh, offsides penalties or procedural penalties that speaks volumes to their preparation think about that think about yeah Fourth different offensive line this year. Now, Score is a guy that not only is he has starting experience, but he has starting experience on a team that has been pretty good over the last four yeah. or five years, the Baltimore Ravens. So you're putting in a guy with know-how. But the, to go into that dome and not have false start penalties and allow that stuff to wreck the game speaks a lot to the coaching staff and the players' preparedness. Yeah, it, it really does. And so you you go from – the preparation of an offensive line that that has interchangeable parts, right? And then the diversity of play calls. Um, if you just look at you, you know, we had we we spoke with Coach Charlie Weiss uh, last week, and he spoke about offensive coordinators need to find matchups that they can exploit to create conflict for a player and a defensive coordinator. And if you look at the Saquon Barkley touchdown, it was a direct result of a seven-yard pass out route to Evan Ingram. So Evan runs an out route. Sa Saquon stood out on the sideline like a, a decoy, and he did the same thing on that particular play to Evan Ingram, but they just didn't treated as a threat. So Evan Ingram runs a seven yard out route, right? <clears throat> Corner comes up, makes a tackle. So they get the same look again. And now the corner's like, oh, I'm going to jump because they, they play a lot of trap defense in um, New Orleans. So they got the look and the corner's thinking, oh boy, here it is. I'm going to get, I'm going to pick this out route and it's a pick six, right? So he hesitates. As soon as Ingram runs the exact same route, he peeks, hesitates, and Saquon is out the door, and it's a touchdown. Um, and it's just, you know, just the play calling. How exciting is and how electric is um, Kadarius Tony? He is. I mean, this is why they drafted him, right? Yeah. If you, I mean, you know, his first down, you know, that, that, that first third down conversion, uh, that third and 18. I mean, that's all him, man. That's a five-yard pass. And Giants fans are saying, man, yeah. for years we've been getting beat by that, this crap. Yeah. We finally, got it. we finally got a guy now that we can throw the ball five yards to and he can make people miss. Yeah, and it's hard to tackle guys in space like that, you know, because now if you're playing way back, let's say you're playing sticks defense, right, and you give a guy like that a ball in space, he's just like – he's just darting all over the place. He's like a little water bug. 
Um, and then by contrast, they did the same thing with Saquon Barkley, but he caught his behind the line of scrimmage and took off for like 12 or 16 yards. And again, running downhill, Saquon Barkley is just not a lot of people who want that, that, that smoke. It, they are just like, that's, that's a big man coming downhill at you, especially as a defensive back. So I thought they did a really good job of, of moving, spreading the ball around. You had, um, Galladay, who had impactful plays. Um, yeah, I mean, he runs, listen, he runs out of a tackle at the end of regulation that really gave the Giants breathing room to be able to kick that game winning field goal with not a game tying field goal without yeah. a ton of stress. Exactly. Um, John Ross takes the top off of a defense. I mean, just literally took off. So like when you see these types of um, this type of personnel and a coaching staff who's willing and trusting of the quarterback um, to make great decisions with the football, you can spread the ball around and really put pressure all over a defense. Quarterback hasn't thrown an interception or he's got one interception in his last 10 games, two now, um, but an end of the half Hail Mary is, yeah. you know, as far as the way we're evaluating it. Um, you know, I think about this game. I think about John Ross because I was very excited when they signed him because it was by relative NFL terms, it's a million bucks. It's a kind of kick the tires and a guy who was a high first round draft pick mm -hmm. who was always hurt had problems catching the ball and was just needed to change the scenery. And I figured, look, with Galladay signed, with Shepard, with Slayton, with Ingram, with Saquon coming back, a guy like John Ross, you can carve a role for him yep. and create a role. Now, he steps up big because they needed him this week. Yep. And as great as the 52-yarder was, and obviously that was important for this team, you know, he had two very big catches in overtime. He sure did. Yeah. So, I mean, again, you talk about the team effort. It was, it was there. Um, and I think that's the, I mean, we can go on and on about some of the things they did and defensively their last stop Lorenzo Carter and um, Johnson on the inside did a really good job. I mean, Lorenzo Carter made a textbook on the uh, Taysom Hill quarterback sweep he played it set the edge perfect um johnson on an inside run to alvin kamara shared his blocker did a great job now all that said they got to be able to tackle better they were awful they were i mean they came up when they were supposed to and you you say um kudos right but that's just not enough. That will not get it done. If you got to go into a game against the Dallas Cowboys, the way they run the football, and you miss that many tackles, they will put 40 on you. You're right, off because they have, a, mode. they have a passing game that the Saints don't have. Correct. So they can marry the both, yep. uh, you know, between Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard, and then their passing game, and their quarterback is just a much better quarterback than James Correct. Winston, uh, who has the trust of the coach. Yeah, they could put a 40-burger on him easy. If uh, not more. Now, 
you know, we'll get into that later in the week on another of these Believe in Giants podcasts. But I want to go back to the tackling thing. Obviously, Blake Martinez was awesome last year. You mm-hmm. could have made a case for him being in the Pro Bowl. He had 151 tackles. He had tackles for losses. He was the anchor there. Well, Blake Martinez is not walking through that door. He's right. got an ACL. He's gone. Now, I thought, you know, in certain run spots, Raglan did a nice job. I thought Tate Crowder missed a lot of tackles. Um, there were – put it this way. I don't want to single anybody out because everybody missed a lot of tackles yesterday. Sure. Um, how do you fix this? I mean, these are professional football players right. um, We're four weeks in, and it's not like they practiced the way they practiced in Carl Banks days where you're in full so pads going Bob, full out. Bob, there's, there's levels of football, right? And you said Max is playing football now. What kind of football is Max playing? Believe it or not. Little man's playing some tackle football. Say it again. Along with what, flag. What, what is it? Tackle. Right. That's what they call it at the pro level, right? There's flag football. Um, our good friend and co-worker, Carmen Pisano, his son, Louis, is now playing tackle football. So when it's tackle football and you say that there are a lot of missed tackles, that means guys are in position to make plays and they're missing tackles. It's a prerequisite for this game. Now you can talk about. Do you some see of the, bad technique? Yeah, well, tackling a lot of it is just wanting to, right? Getting in position, and if you look, it takes just. I, I'm be honest with you, it takes just as much effort to miss a tackle as it does to make one, especially really? when you're in position. It hurts the same missing and making a tackle. So if you're there and you can't figure out how to get a guy to the ground, you don't put a lot of effort in for nothing, right? Or if you're in place, just wrap the guy up and get him to the ground. But it's, and then tackling is also a team effort also. Now, you know, you don't necessarily want corners one-on-one with a back. You want a corner, a linebacker, safety. You want to be able to get guys to the ground. But when you say missed tackles, this is not, Carl, you had a lot of guys out of place and gaping holes, and they were running through the Giants' defense like a hot knife through butter. No, they weren't. I mean, they they, earlier not. in the, you know, at one point in the game, they got their run game going, and Kamara is so patient. But there were a lot of times, Carl, we're sitting up there in the booth, and we're nice and high at about the yeah. 35, 40-yard line. You're looking down, and as we're calling the game, it's like, it's not really that big a hole there. And suddenly Kamara got... How did he just get eight yards? Yeah, I mean, and there's there's first contact either in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage. So um, they have to be a better tackling team. Simple as that. And I say it as a team um, because when you say multiple missed tackles and not multiple gaping holes, this is now becoming a, a group of individuals that are just not applying the right technique for um, getting a guy on the ground. So... Uh, the good news is they're missing tackles but not getting blown out of holes. The bad news is they're missing tackles and guys are getting eight yards of pop on first down. You know what really uh, I think the thing that really irks me the most is, all right, so you'll there's a missed tackle, okay? 
that's a missed tackle. It's kind of out there. It's obvious it's in the open and one thing leads to another. The other thing though, that it feels like to me more than I've ever seen from the giants in quite some time, how many times do they have a guy bunched up where there's four or five giants there and they still don't get the guy to the ground. Is that, is that people looking at other people like, all right, we're all here. We're hitting them. No, it's just poor. It's, Poor tackling. You can call it whatever you want, but why you the know, hell wouldn't you want to tackle them? They got they got to get they've got to get disengaged off of blocks and wrap a guy up. I mean, they do they see it every week against the old Saquon Barkley when he was just kind of darting around in the backfield. They just wrap him up. You know, four or five guys just come around and wrap him up. Now that he's not doing that anymore, he's he's putting more pressure on the defense. So. Um, you know, they have to be better, you know, in order for them to build on what they're doing, uh, they have to be better. And one of the areas that they can be better at is tackling. Simple. That's the easiest part. When you've got first contact at the line of scrimmage or behind it, there's no reason it should result in the ball being spotted eight yards uh, on your side of the line of scrimmage. Um and then there was some fun stuff that happened. I talked about um, Kadarius Tony, but how about the arrogance of Sean Payton? I love Sean. I do too, but Dear he's, friend. he's an arrogant play caller at times. And um, first of all, he, he throws a crazy challenge flag because he went for something that he should not have. And then he challenged first that down a, that was the oddest challenge i think i've ever seen but think about this and, and and see here's the funny thing the irony of what coaches say and do and i don't think anybody's ever gonna um doubt the credibility and the accomplishments of a guy like sean payton and just basically confirming the exact same call or decision not to do something uh, by Joe Judge. Ball in the same position, basically the same down and distance, right? So in, I think you were gone, but I saw on the news, the interview with the coach, and they asked him about the field goal, right? He said, I was completely wrong. He said it just like that. He said, I should have punted that. I knew I should have punted it. Uh, even before I sent the kicker out there, I knew I should have punted it and played for better field position. Yeah, I didn't. I remember Rosas had missed two the week before against yeah. the Patriots, 36 and a 52 yarder. Right. This would have been a 53 yarder. No, the yesterday. No, the, the one he missed on Sunday, he missed 58 yarder. 58. So, 58. Yeah. So when the Giants, theirs, were, theirs was what, 53? Mm -hmm. So same, same train of thought. This coach decided, Hey, uh, I'm going to just do it in spite of my better angels. Uh, but then post game, he says, I should not have died. I should have punted the football, not go for it, but punt it. Right. Um, then, you know, but you spent a week watching people just, tie themselves in knots over the same decision. Um, but 
that decision didn't impact why they lost the game. But then, you know, that was the, you know, the arrogant play calling of Sean Payton. So then um, they hit a few big plays, right? And there's Bradbury. The the, the biggest arrogance was they hit. Wait, let me get to that. Okay. All right. Because that's the one. So they were, they hit a few big plays on the Giants cornerbacks. And on James Bradbury, they hit one. They hit another one that got called back. Um, Both of them on Bradbury, right? So here's Sean Payton saying, well, it's so easy. Anybody can do it. And he puts Taysom Hill in to take a shot at Bradbury. It's his next play. It's after after the deep ball gets called back. (laughs) Now it's first and 20. They run the same exact play. Right. And they put a wobbly arm quarterback in there to try it on the next down in Taysom Hill. So hey, here's this, take the ball back. Right. So here's two things you I need to know. One. Two things you need to know about Pro Bowl level cornerbacks. One, they got a short memory. And two, you better respect the name on the back of that jersey. Like you put Taysom Hill in, like you forgot James Brad, the name Bradbury wasn't on that jersey. You're not gonna beat him with Taysom Hill on the same play that beat him the, 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 the play before. And it was just, it was an awful pass, by the way. But it's like, come on, Sean, you know how it is. Like, if he's a good one, he's got a short memory. And then you're not going to insult him by throwing, you know, uh, Taysom Hill out there to to make a play. 10 yards further back, by the way. Yeah. So now it's even a longer throw. Well, there's a reason why Taysom Hill is not their starting quarterback because he couldn't beat anybody out. He's a gadget guy. Yeah, he's so, a good one too. Um, obviously, the Giants. Off, there's so many pot. Daniel Jones. I mean, he he's played winning football this year. Um, yeah, look, there's oh, we could always look. We didn't like. There were a couple things we didn't like in the game. We didn't like the the tight end around in the red zone. I don't. Wow. You know, especially against that defense. Did, wow. You know, didn't like that call. I think they got to keep the ball in Jones' hands. Um, and then the other thing I didn't, you know, we weren't crazy about, look, they won the game, but at the end of the first half, when they stopped Kamara at the 10 yard line, um, and a third and one and a half was coming up for the saints to me with one 10 to go, whatever in the half, the Giants just started using their timeouts because the way Daniel Jones was playing and the way that they were able to move the ball, even though they had seven points to show for it. They were playing better offensively than their seven points showed for it. I would have liked to have seen Daniel Jones have 55 seconds because they get, they got it down the field enough to kick up the, but you know, they were helped um, by not calling those timeouts um, by the, didn't Sean Payton have to use a timeout on that drive before they punted? Um, No, this is at the end of the half when they scored the touchdown. Something happened that when you were saying you were you were saying the Giants should have used their timeout at the end of the at the end of the first half. Right, right, right. The, I'm trying to think what happened with the Saints. No, with the Saints, they bought they botched it all up with 3:17 to go. Right, in the game, exactly. They get called for uh, a penalty on offense, stops the clock, then they throw it on second down. Correct. In completion, um, as opposed to running it and forcing the Giants to use timeouts. Correct. And, and they didn't do it. Hey, you know what? You take it, you move on. 
Um, and away we go. I'm still a little concerned too, Carl, about this. This secondary still doesn't seem cohesive right now. Um, you know, in some, you know, listen, let's not, let's not kid ourselves here. The saints were awesome on third downs. Now, granted the first bunch of them were third and two and one, but they, you know, in the, in a lot of that, there was a stretch in that game where they were four for four on third and twos. And they started to hit some third and five, some third and sixes against the giants. Yeah. But when you have, when you have, um, a Taysom Hill, and Alvin Kamara on your team, fourth and anything five and under is basically dealer's choice because you're, as a defensive coordinator, you can't dial up much because the ball can be out of those, in, into those guys' hands at one yard and they'll get you five. So um, the cohesiveness of this defensive backfield, there are some plays that are still popping up, chunk mm-hmm. plays. Um, Which is odd because last year there were almost no, they didn't allow any chunk well, plays last listen, year. Listen, people go to work on what you're doing too. But the thing is that it, you talk about complimentary football and team football. I can tell you why, or I can give you one of the reasons why um, they were hitting chunk plays is because the Giants couldn't stop the run. And if you can't stop the run, it means your the conflict that your defensive coordinator has is can I commit another safety to the box to stop this and still feel good about having somebody deep? Well, the two two big plays, no safety in the middle of the field, no safety to be found, right? So it's a matter of, you know, you've got to put pressure on your front seven to be better so that your coverage can do what they do. Um, and that's why, you know, I I still scratch my head when people say you can run on cover two. Every time somebody sees it, you can run on it. I'm saying you've got to be able to deter, deter whatever action that is supposed to counter your defense. You should practice like hell to deter that against your defense. So now it's not a given that one, oh, if a safety's in the box, we're going over the top. Nope, our safeties are back and you're still not going to run on us. Oh, our safety's in the box and you're still not passing on us because if our safety's in the box, we're going to get some pressure somewhere. So these are things they gotta, they've got to um, work at and accept responsibility for as a group. But the conflict is, you know, you want your guys to be good, man-to-man cover guys, and they're not bad, but they can't do it for a long time. And if you're not getting pressure, um, they're going to hit some chunk plays. And the reason they're going to hit some chunk plays is because you cannot stop them with your base front. you got to commit an extra safety to the box. And they've got to challenge themselves to, hey, Let's play defense on our terms. And we know what our run responsibilities are when we're in this. And we know what our run responsibilities are when we're in that. And that's how you play good defense. You know, hey, if we're in cover two, they can't attack this area. We have to be really good at this. I mean, that's how I was coached. So there was no, 
no defense that was called that we felt a burden. We just knew what we had to do within that defense and how a team was going to attack it. Um, just like we, we know how teams like to attack cover two, passing the football, it's always something up the seam to put pressure on the safety. That's why, you know, I was so good at taking tight ends out of that equation because I knew I had to help my safety. I couldn't have, you know, two guys barreling down on him at the same time. So it was all, you know, all these things have um, coverage and run responsibilities that they, they've got to get better at. And you'll start to see the corners play better when that happens. Man, I think you just said something. I don't think I've ever heard you play. Say, What's I've known you a long time. You are a very modest individual who has always, you know, talked about teammates. You just said I was very good at taking the tight ends out of the play. Oh, I could do that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I never heard you compliment yourself. I have no problem with that. That was my dad. I took pride in it, actually. When well, we were in you practice against Bavaro every day. Yeah. Yeah. I understood. I, I understood splits as good as a cornerback. I could read a split and tell you where a guy's going inside release, outside release, what pr pretty much what his route was going to be. I could take it away at the snap. You know what? That's a little teaser because we're going to wrap it up right now, but that's a little teaser for later in the week when we unveil our next Believe in Giants podcast. We're supposed to have a special guest on later in the week, but also you'll have now had a chance to study the Cowboys on film. Uh, so you'll give us, you can give us a little window on based on looking at those splits, what the Giants are going to have to be on alert for because mm -hmm. nobody does it better than Carl. All right, Carl. Gotcha. Uh, Good stuff. It was fun in New Orleans. It was. You certainly you you had a lot of faith. You you always have faith. I told I told you I I you know and I don't want to share this with people because we we're in a world of of hyper reactive people who will just say anything and but I I I told I said it in our last podcast with fourteen games left. There's a lot of runway. I'll say it again. There's well, a lot of runway. The Giants fight. The Giants finally took off. All right, so I'm going to sign off here from right. lovely Fayetteville, Arkansas. This is not my basement. I don't have 70s wood paneling. I'm in our Golf Channel production trailer for college golf this week. But uh, we'll do this again later in the week. We'll get a special guest, and Carl's going to give you an in-depth breakdown or tell you what he sees, yeah. what you should look for as a Giant fan going into the Cowboys game. Make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Right, Carl? Tell a friend to tell a friend. That's the rest Believe of the Giants podcast. Thanks for joining us in this edition of Believe in Giants podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.